Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Jason Waters. How are you today, sir? It's a beautiful day in Florida. Yes, it is. We're recording in October, and this is right around that time when we start to see a little bit of the cooler mornings. And yeah, it almost feels like fall. Almost. Which is creepy. Almost. Yeah. Not something we're too accustomed to here in Florida. <laughs> no. So so this is an episode that we've been kind of kicking around. Yeah. All right, look, we know that there are good movies out there. We know there are great movies out there. We know there are bad movies out there and all movies in between. But there are some movies that I think are historically considered to not be great that I love. Yes. And I'm an unabashed fan of. Yes. And I know you feel the same way about a lot of different movies. So we thought we would just compile a little list of bad movies that we love. Bad. Mo- I would hesitate to classify some of these as bad movies. These, I would, I, what I would say is that these movies were, for the most part, critically panned. Yes. That I would assume the directors were making these, number one, for money, and number two, for the audiences, and could probably give a rat's ass what the critics think. And I'm going to add to that, as this is, for me, looking at this little list that I put together, these movies, for me, are inherently watchable. Yes. And that is the key for me when it comes to a good movie or what people would consider to be a bad movie is do I enjoy my time watching the film? Yes. And with these films here, the answer is absolutely. Yes. So if, if, if you're on this list, we don't think it's a bad movie per se. No. But it's been it's been judged to be less than perfect. It's not considered a great Yes. In in highfalutin, you know, cinema world. <laughs> and I will say, I'm, I'm looking at my list here. I do have quite a few comedies on there. Okay. I actually, let me look on through my list. I have one comedy on my oh, really? list. I have a lot of action movies on okay. my list. I could see that with you. So I'll let you kick it off with, uh, let's go through a few on your list. Okay. So one that I could probably quote the entire movie. That I think is one of the funniest movies probably in the last 40 years. Got a critic's Rotten Tomato score of 39, but an audience score of 90. Okay. Tommy Boy. Okay. So Tommy Chris Boy. Farley yeah. and David Spade. You know what? Brian Dennehy. Son, I was sorry to hear about your dad. I was. But uh, before I decide to keep my business with your place, I'd have to come by and have a look at your new operation. Hey, I tell you what. You can take a good look at a butcher's ass by sticking your head up there. But wouldn't you rather take his word for it? <laughs> what? I'm uh, failing to make the connection here, son. No, I mean, you can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a butcher's ass, but then, no, it's got to be your bull. Wow. Here's the deal. If I want you... You have derailed. Shut up, Richard. Boy, I'm really at a loss for words here. Forget it, I quit. I can't do this anymore, man. My head's about to explode. My whole life sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. My dad just died. We just killed Bambi. I'm out here getting my ass kicked, and every time I drive down the road, I want to jerk the wheel into a goddamn bridge in Buntman. Want me in touch? Not on my list, but could have very easily been on my list. If it's, that movie comes on, I'm watching it. I think it's hilarious. You know what I like about that film? Okay. Doesn't try to be anything more than what it is. Exactly. And yeah. it's playing off the chemistry between David Spade and Chris Farley. A couple of SNL characters. Yeah. It works. It, you know, the movie just works. And it's interesting you say this because when they try it again a couple years later with Black Sheep, I, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, but there's still some funny parts. There in are it. some funny parts in it, but it's yeah, it's interesting because they literally play the same characters, well, essentially. I think, I think what's so great about Chris Farley is that he is such – you. if you look at the guy, you wouldn't think he's as agile as he is. Yeah. His devotion to just straight up beating himself up comedy yeah. is – it's beautiful. He takes physical comedy very serious. And of course, if if for the younger listeners out there, if you've never seen the Saturday Night Live skit where he uh, auditions to be a Chippendales dancer, you're, you're, you're letting the best in life pass you by because it is some of the funniest shit you'll ever see. So um, Tommy Boy, great one on the list. What's another one? I'm going to keep going with comedy. Uh, another one that, that critics hated, audiences loved, 
21 versus 72, the movie that really put him on the map and made him the $20 million man. Okay. And that'll be Ace Ventura. Okay, so this is where we're going to... We're meeting Jim Carrey out of In Living Color. He's made it to the screen. And this movie is goofy. Really hasn't held up as well as it should have because some of the prop comedy that he does is just a little over the top. But um, I still have my Finkel is Einhorn (laughs) t-shirt. What the hell is he doing here? I came to confess. I was the second gunman on the grassy knoll. Spare me the routine, Ventura. I know you're working the snowflake case. May I suggest you yield to the experts on this one? We'll find the porpoise. Whew. Now I feel better. Of course, that might not do any good. You see, nobody's missing a porpoise. It's a dolphin that's been taken. The common harbor porpoise has an abrupt snout, pointed teeth, and a triangular thoracic fin, while the bottlenose dolphin, or Tursiops truncatus, has an elongated beak, round cone-shaped teeth, and a serrated dorsal appendage. <laughs> I'm sure you already knew that. That's what turns me on about you. Your attention to detail. Listen, pet dick. How would you like me to make your life a living hell? Well, I'm... Not really ready for a relationship, Lois, but thank you for asking. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. Your number's still 911? Alrighty then. A movie about a pet detective who's been uh, tasked to track down the Miami Dolphins' missing mascot. (laughs) Snowflake. (laughs) Snowflake. The dolphin. So this is where I'm going to be like, well, well maybe not so much. So this one, th- you know what? I saw it in the theater. It For me, it didn't work because it was too over the it top. Is, it is very over the top. I, th- I think I've gone on record as saying that uh, for me, Dumb and Dumber is my favorite Jim Carrey performance. Yes, absolutely. But of course, Dumb and Dumber is a beloved film. Mm-hmm. And Ace Ventura, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. You know what? You know what? Here's an interesting point. Okay. I haven't seen it in 30 years. Um, Maybe I need to rewatch it. You should rewatch it. it. I mean, it's really funny. It gets funnier the older I get. Isn't there a scene where he gets like in a little boat and puts a little, pro- like a little propeller in the water and goes like a foot, <laughs> like ten feet? <laughs> yeah. okay. You know what? I'm I'm gonna need to rewatch that. And when uh, he's got, he puts like I don't even know three cups of sunflower seeds in his mouth and starts chewing. And the lieutenant's like, "Do, do you need a?" ashtray he's like i don't smoke nasty habit <laughs> all right you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna chalk that up to a, i'm gonna give that a rewatch okay all right rewatch. so here's one on my list okay and this one came to my attention last year when we did the friday the 13th uh retrospective okay and that is friday the 13th part five a new beginning oh boy which i know you're not a fan of no and but i rewatched this again about a month ago and it's a terrible movie mm. And but, but you love it. But I love it because of just how insane the film is. Like the director just goes for it. And it makes no sense. Get me the goddamn psycho who's responsible for this mess. I mean, shit, Tucker. What the hell's going on here? I mean, this is a small town, man. And small towns are supposed to be safe. I know who it is. What? I said I know who it is. Who? It's Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees? You're out of your fucking mind. You've been out in the sun too long. Jason Voorhees is dead. His body was cremated. He's nothing but a handful of ash. You know that for sure, Mayor? Were you there? Did you see him cremated? Jason Voorhees. I can't believe this. Here. This is your Jason Voorhees here. This. Your ass is on the line here, Tucker. Are you getting that? You get me a goddamn live suspect. We discussed it. And by the way, this is a great way to plug our last year's Friday the 13th yeah. retrospective because we spent, I think we spent the most time talking about that movie. Yeah. I just, I think it's, 
it's my favorite of the Friday the Thirteenth movies because it's so insane and it makes no sense whatsoever. The decisions the characters make make no sense. <laughs> Nothing makes any sense, and that's why I find it so watchable because I watch it through the lens of what are we doing? What is going on here? From from the the girl doing her pop and lock dance in the in the bedroom to the to. <laughs> The way the the paramedics show up and like ah time to get our hands dirty come on you know it's just to the, the two greasers and the, yeah. <laughs> in the in the lost in the woods and one says I'll I'll be right back I gotta take a shit you know <laughs> what are we doing it's to the yeah. guy singing in the outhouse to his girlfriend like it's insane yeah and for that I have to put it to my bad movies I just for some reason can't get enough of it i love that film. I, 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 it's a hard no for me I, yeah i couldn't watch that again but the numbers on it uh critics 18 percent. yes audiences nope 26 <laughs> hey it's, it falls perfectly into this category for me <laughs> another one on my list okay police academy 2 their first assignment Ooh, all right i think we talked about this before i have i have not seen that since it was probably on tv back in the 80s so, these academy rats are going to save the precinct, right? Hey, personally, Lieutenant, I hope they fall flat on their asses. That could be arranged, you know. What do you mean? Oh, if they fail, the sod's out. That makes me the captain. If I'm captain, I'm going to need a new watch commander. So? So, we make sure they fail. Who? New recruits. Why? If they fail, the sort us out, I'm in. And I'm going to need somebody to be the new watch commander. And you know who that's going to be. <laughs> who? You, dickhead, you. Oh. Oh, good idea. You're not playing with a full deck, are you? Oh, I don't play cards. Okay, listen. I'll be the first to admit none of the Police Academy movies are what we call quote unquote good movies. I remember I liked the first one. The first one is good. You know, it hasn't aged well by, you know, today's standards. Yeah. And it's rated R. The first one is R rated. Hmm. Uh, the other ones are all rated. Well, actually, two is rated PG 13. The rest are rated PG. Yeah. But I think that Police Academy 2, yes, it's cringy in moments, <laughs> it's silly in moments, but I think there are some genuine, like, hard belly laughs that I get when I watch that movie. Okay. And uh, my girlfriend and I and her sister and brother-in-law, we were in Phoenix, Arizona a, a month and a half ago. And we was we had spent a wonderful weekend together. We're all just being lazy that Sunday night because we're all flying out the next day. And we put on Police Academy 2 and we watched it and we were all laughing our asses off. And uh, I just think it's I think it's actually the funniest of the entire uh, franchise. So Police Academy 2, their first assignment is a bad movie that I love to watch. All right. Well, I will put it down as a as a rewatch because I, I have not seen it since I was a kid. The numbers on it uh, are critics, 29%. Yes. <laughs> Audiences, though, are, it's getting up there. It's 42. There we go. See? Yeah. Not See? bad. Not bad. All right. Perfect. What's a couple more that you've got? So here's one that I think I would say... It's really kickstarted this guy's career in a different direction. He was always kind of a a, a badass before this, but um, after this role, he becomes the go-to for shitty action movies. Oh, okay. Um, talking about 2008's Taken. Oh, 2008's Taken. <laughs> yes. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom... I can tell you I don't have money, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. That's a bad movie. That's a bad it's movie. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's I, so, makes no sense. I mean, when he just says, I've got a special set of skills, and you're just like listening to him like, 
oh, this, this doesn't make any sense. Like, what's going to happen? No. It, at the beginning, when he's like doing security for like the Britney Spears type character, he's like, my daughter's a singer. You, you've got to help her. <laughs> he's like, okay, sure, buddy. <laughs> oh, I'm sure this is going to come around at the end. You know, um, no, but here's the thing about Taken, okay? You know they filmed that as a hard R-rated movie, and then they cut it and edited it down to a PG-13 movie. I would have said, as is, it's, it looks like an R movie. Oh, there's some saying, like, it's a fun movie to watch, and it's not it's not a good movie. Like, no. when I was watching it for the first time in the theater, the in theater real time, too. I'm saying to myself, this is not a good movie, and I love it. I, every minute of it, because it, it's nonstop action. Can't say the same about the sequels. No. Sequels were not so good. But you're right. He it, he did turn into... After this, he's in every single... A granddad action film. Directive video yeah. action movie. Oh, yeah. it's the it's a taken good... That's a good pull. Now, now what do audiences think about that? Um, so critics did not like it. 59%. Uh, audiences, 85 Wow. Okay. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great example. Yeah. Another one that I love, just because around the time it came out, I was playing a lot of poker. And it's, again, one of those movies I could just quote... Right out of the gates is uh, Rounders. Oh, Rounders, yes. Matt Damon, John Turturro, John Malkovich. Edward Norton. Edward Norton. I think that movie is better received now than when it came out. Yeah. It was It was a little bit ahead of the, the big poker boom. Remember yeah. when Texas Hold'em just took over? And that's all you'd have on ESPN during the Forever. day, every day. Yep. This Rounders actually came out. I think Rounders like ninety eight. I yeah. think is when the movie came out. It is. Uh, yeah. It's getting it's getting a pretty big cult classic. Yeah, yeah. Or it's cult following. It's actually a pretty good movie in that sense. Yeah. I don't know. Like that scene with Matt Damon when he when he's he goes in and, and all the judges are playing poker. And he just goes around the table, and he's like, "You've got this, and you've got that, and you're you're, you're holding on to this." And I'm like, "You've seen half the hand. How the fuck are you betting into us? You sure this is wise, Abe? It's your money the kid's betting with. That's plenty wise. We know what we're holding, and we know what you're holding. <laughs> the fuck you know what we all got? Summer clerkship in your office says I know what you're holding. I don't bet with jobs like that. Let's just say I'll put you at the top of the list if you're right. Okay." Well, you were looking for that third three, but you forgot that Professor Green folded it on 4th Street, and now you're representing that you have it. Um, the DA made his two pair, but he knows they're no good. Judge Kaplan was trying to squeeze out a diamond flush, but he came up short, and Mr. Eisen is futilely hoping that his queens are going to stand up. So, like I said, the dean's bet is $20. Well, kiss my ass. <laughs> kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you have, babe? Nothing but a busted straight. Oh, come on. It's good enough to win. Take it <laughs> All right, kid, your first assignment. Pull up a seat next to me. Oh, I'd like to. I can't. I can't. I don't play cards. Get out of here. All right. Take it easy, Will Hunting. All right. You can't be a genius two times in a row. Like, um, and that's, and then you've got John Malkovich eating his Oreo cookies. And I'm just like, this is like, this movie's ridiculous. I remember um, an interview with Matt Damon where, he he was aware that John Malkovich, you know, really gets into his character, and the the accent that John Malkovich uses in this is so over the top. And he said at that first filming or the first scene when he went at it, he just he said I could not stop laughing, and John <laughs> Malkovich was so pissed. <laughs> I love that. So Rounders, what, what what I mean, I feel like that was a pretty well received movie with critics, right? It uh it was okay. Um it was sixty four percent for critics, but audiences have it at an eighty seven percent. All right, all right. Yeah. For me. Okay. Childhood favorite of mine. Ooh. Nineteen eighty six Rad. Uh, I've not seen that. You've not seen Rad? Uh uh-uh. uh. Well let me tell you something, Jason. Did we talk about we talked about this on one of the episodes? I think we might have, yeah. This is directed by Hal Needham. Okay. Okay. Famous, famously the director of Smokey the Bandit, Cannonball Run, Stroker Ace. Stroker Ace. Okay. Rad tells the story of Crew Jones. Small town boy, paper delivery guy. Him and his friends are secretly amazing BMX riders. Okay. Actually, you know what? I may have seen that. Turns out that in their small town, they've constructed a racetrack. And they're going to hold the most prestigious BMX race in the world. And the track is called Hell Track. 
and the top 20 BMX riders from around the world are coming to compete. And Crew Jones finds a way to compete in the race. <laughs> and it's the question of, does he have, does he have what it takes? You defied me. I didn't do it to hurt you. It's not me you're hurting. You're willing to sacrifice building a solid future for a bicycle race. It's very self-destructive. Would you try to understand? The only thing I'm good at is riding this bike. And now I have a chance to be the best. Maybe the best in the world. I can take those SATs anytime, maybe in six months. But this is the only opportunity I'll ever have like this. I started out as one in a thousand. Now it's one in 20. Now to give that up, I think that would be very self-destructive. I want you to make me a promise that in six months you'll take those SATs no matter what. No matter what, I promise. Mom? Thanks. It's basically the story of Rocky with BMX bikes. And it's no secret, it's no surprise that Talia Shire plays Crew Jones' mom. And she says, you can't win. (laughs) It's the best. It is what sets this movie apart is, with the exception of Bill Allen, who plays Crew Jones, all of the other BMX racers are played by real BMX racers. Really? And they're acting shows. <laughs> it's that so it's, it's that bad. It has a kick-ass 80s hard rock soundtrack. You're going to love the movie. Okay. That's on my must-watch. Rad. Rad. So numbers on Rad? Okay. So before, no, before I say this, so Rad just, in the past couple of years... Uh, became available to rent on video on demand. It actually never had a DVD release. Really? It was lost in rights issues from the 1980s through all of the 2000s and the tw- 2010s. And then somewhere in 2020, it magically appeared on iTunes to rent. No kidding. Yeah. So. Well, I'm definitely checking it out then. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Lori Laughlin plays the love interest. Ooh. You know, she's also a BMX, you know, rider. And there's a great scene when they're at a high school dance and everyone's bored. So Crew Jones and Lori Laughlin decide to entertain the crowd by doing BMX tricks, including one of Lori Laughlin going on a balance beam. It's the best, man. <laughs> All to send me an angel by real life. It's the best. Numbers. Right. Numbers. Uh, critics, no. no. 42%. Ah. Audiences, 90. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, see? So that, that's a that's a hard recommend. I'm going to watch that. I am not alone. I am not alone. <laughs> I've Well done. I, I got a new movie to watch today. All right. Ready for another one? Okay. Yep. All right. 1987. Over the top. Over the top. Sylvester Stallone. Listen, <laughs> if you were to tell, I always say this, and, and I did an episode on this about four years ago with my buddy, Mike. Okay. And I started that episode by saying, could you describe the plot of Over the Top to somebody who's never seen it before? Well, it's the story of Sylvester Stallone is a truck driver who has decided to drive his estranged son cross country to meet his mother who's sadly passed, who's sadly dying in a hospital. And along the way, they're going to do some arm wrestling matches. Why not? Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> Mike, I don't care what your grandfather thinks about me, okay? All I care about is you. Now, you lost back there because you beat yourself. You let yourself get beat. I know you can do it. You're a special kid. You're my boy, do you understand? But you're also a spoiled, rich brat who's always had everything done for him. Now it's time to do for yourself, Mike, and you can do it. Because I'm telling you, the world meets nobody halfway. Do you understand what that means? If you want it, Mike, you gotta take it. Do you hear me? You gotta take it. Go in there and try. I know you can win. But even if you don't, so what? So you lose. As long as you lose, like a winner, it doesn't matter. Because you did it with dignity. I'm telling you, if you don't go in there, you're going to be sorry. You're going to regret it your whole life. You know what I mean? Come on. I know you can do it. Will you do it for me? Come on. Let's count. It's got a great soundtrack. It's a canon movie. That's all you need to know. Okay. I've seen it. I probably watched it on uh, HBO 10 times. I loved it as a kid. There's a great line in the movie where Sylvester Stallone says to his son, Hey, Mikey, the world's not going to meet you halfway. And then cut to Kenny Loggins singing the song, Meet Me Halfway. 
<laughs> it's the best. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some really great news. Okay. Critics did not like it. Okay. At 17%. Oh. Yeah. Um, but audiences have not reviewed it yet. So you have the opportunity <laughs> there we go. to put the first 100% review in. I'm going to. I'm going to. <laughs> How? It literally says no one has reviewed this movie yet. Impossible. I cannot be the only one out there. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, uh, that's really funny. All right. You, what do you, do you get a couple more? Let me, let's go a little supernatural for a minute. Okay. All right. Um, this is one that still to this day, it comes on. I love to watch it. Completely stupid. I remember watching it for the first time going, oh, that actually could have happened. And now I watch it. I'm like, it definitely didn't happen, but it's, it's kind of cool. Stargate. Stargate. Yeah. Roland Emmerich. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. David Spader. Yeah. David Spade. David Excuse Spade. me. David Spade. Uh, I'm oh, Spader. Yeah. Is it Spader. James Spader? James Spader. Yes. Yeah. Guys, we've been podcasting all day. We're a little punchy right now. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is this is a good movie. Yeah, I really liked it the first. Yeah. I mean, still to this day, Did I like critics it. not like this movie. No, they gave it a 53 percent. Really? Yeah. Now I'm a little biased because I did have the producer Peter Wenther on my show back in 2019. Oh, so wow. you know he he was producer for Roland Emmerich in the 90s. So he did Universal Soldier, Stargate, Independence Day, Godzilla. The Matthew Broderick, the Matthew Broderick one, okay. and uh, the Patriot, and then he and you know went to start his own production company. Yeah. So, but nice guy. I have some stuff to look at. Uh, you just pass pass them down. Um, you'll have to share them because I, sorry, I don't. <laughs> sorry, I don't have enough of those. But anyway, uh, okay, all right. We're obviously looking at a picture of the Coverstones now on the outer track. These figures that. You would believe to be words to be translated were, in fact, sorry about that. were in fact star constellations. Now these constellations were placed in a unique order, forming a map or an address of sorts. Seven points to outline a course to a position, and. Um, to find a destination within any three-dimensional space, we need six points to determine an exact location. You said you needed seven points. Well, no, six for the destination. But to chart a course, you need a point of origin. Except there's only six symbols in the cartouche. Well, the seventh actually isn't inside the cartouche. It's just below it here, designated by a little pyramid with two funny, neat little guys and funny little line coming out of the top. <laughs> anyway, the... he did it. No. That symbol isn't anywhere on the device. Well, what device? Stargate's great movie. Great movie. Great action. Great yeah. drama. Great adventure. You don't know what's going to happen. Kurt Russell's badass in that yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. Good movie. Um, 73% for critic or for audience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stargate. Uh, by the way, listeners, you haven't seen Stargate? Give that a watch. You want yeah. an original movie? There yeah. you go. Original movie, original story. Yeah. Um, one that's not an original story but i like and this is a guilty pleasure one probably one of the last good movies he made oh blade blade i know you're not into superheroes oh i like blade you like blade okay um i think blade Chris is christopherson yeah. wesley snipes yeah. steven dorf steven dorf <laughs> um as frost kind of a interesting premise but it's a vampire movie but it's, it's r-rated vampire but is a good guy vampire who's looking out for people who are being bitten came um, out in 1998 i saw it in the theater i don't think i saw this one in the theater but um i remember the first time i watched it i'm like why didn't i this was awesome let me tell you that that opening sequence at the blood rave yeah in the theater with the booming sound system you felt like you were in the night in a yeah. nightclub and the choreography on that the fight scene yeah was fantastic only thing i'll say when it comes to Wesley Snipes is having met him in person 
Oh, really? Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, fun fact, uh, when Wesley Snipes was uh, on trial for tax evasion. Here in town. The trial was held in Ocala, Florida, because the courthouse here was a federal, is actually a federal courthouse. Yeah. And so, I was working at a restaurant at the time called Sky Asian Fusion. Oh, I love that place. And... Every, I think his trial was like two weeks or something like that. But for like four nights in a row, him and his entourage came to the restaurant and they sat in our private room. Oh, wow. And I took care of the table twice. And he's no taller. He's actually, I think he's an inch, like an inch shorter than me. Wow. Like he's not a big guy. Nice guy though? Uh, eccentric. Okay. He was speaking to me in what could be described as sort of a, an African accent or a kind of like a South African accent. Interesting. Which he doesn't speak with, but that was a decision he made to speak to everyone in that Maybe accent. Working on a role. Possibly. And then the second night he came in, he was talking like he normally does. Hmm. Um, so the best way for me to describe Wesley Snipes, at least in 2007, 2008, I don't remember what this was, is eccentric. Eccentric. Uh, hey. Sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Police officer. I'm sorry, okay. Uh, police officer, I didn't mean to scare you. The front door was open. What are you doing in here? I'm just here on a routine check. Uh, look, I'm I'm Officer Krieger, uh, 42nd Precinct. You're Karen Jensen, right? Yeah. Your co-workers at the hospital said that you were kidnapped last night. Are you okay? What happened to the other doctor I was with? Curtis Webb, um, he died. Uh, no, look, uh, don't worry about that right now, okay? Why? Because you're dead too, bitch. Bitch! What is this, garlic? Yeah, well, he said it would work against vampires. Vampires? <laughs> Who said I was a vampire, huh? Nobody. Putting all that aside, Blade's great. Yeah, that's a good movie. Great movie. I didn't figure because it was uh, technically it's a Marvel movie. Yeah, but it was a Marvel movie before Marvel was yeah. Marvel and Disney owned Marvel. It, but we've got uh, critics at a 58, but audiences at a 75. Yeah, all right. Blade's good. Yep, and one more, keeping the supernatural. This one didn't really follow most people's radar, but I thought it was a super smart, written, directed, and narrated movie. And I usually do not like movies with a false narrator where, oh. they're, where they're lying to you. Oh. And this one had that. And I probably the only one that I will let slide, and that is Fallen with Denzel Washington. Oh, you know what? I saw it once when it came out. I haven't seen it since, so I have to kind of hold commentary because I genuinely don't remember it. The only thing I remember is John Goodman is in the movie. John Goodman's in the movie, yeah. And there's a Rolling Stone song that plays. Time yeah, yeah. That's all I remember about the movie. To do what I'm going to do. Only he couldn't pull it off. Pull what off? Oh, come on, it's easy. Open your eyes. Huh? Look around sometime. Here we are in this beautiful place. Not another human being around for miles. Just you and me. What's this? You don't smoke anymore. So, but where, where were critics on that? Uh, critics on that, 40%. Interesting. Um, audience is at 72, but it's a uh, it's a religious movie about possession. Okay. Um, and how this demon that has uh, a name, Azazel, can come and possess different people. Um, and it's narrated by Denzel Washington. And 
he's got a plan that for once and all to get rid of the demon. And it's him catching this killer who was possessed by the demon, watching him die. And then the demon moves into different people trying to really screw with Denzel Washington, who's a cop. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Fallen. Give it a watch. All right. All right. All right. I've got one ready. This one's big. This okay. is ambitious. Okay. Okay. 1990, The Godfather Part 3. Ooh. All right. Okay. Had a huge reevaluation on that film a couple years when I rewatched it. And I said, okay, wait a second. Yes, Sophia Coppola, so- Sophia Coppola grossly miscast in this film. I was going to say that ended her, her acting career, which she, is a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. But she came, became a very accomplished uh, director, writer and director, and has made some very excellent films in her time. All right, let's get a, let's get a message to Joe's house. I respect what he's done. The new overthrows the old. It's natural. How can you do business with this guy? I'm a businessman. First foremost, I want no further conflict with him. You tell him from me that he can live or he can die. Vincent, will you shut up? Watching this movie a couple of years ago, and maybe it's because I'm I'm in the haze and the fog of CGI hell that is the current state of cinema, or at least the current state of mainstream cinema. Cinema, and I'm watching this and I'm going, oh, this is a pretty ambitious, incredible, sweeping epic of a story that I I think was a little too hard on at the time. Is it The Godfather 1 and 2? No. But on its own, I find this to be a very watchable film, and I enjoy the performances, and I'm, I, I've am i reevaluated things, and I think The Godfather Part 3 is a very good movie. I will say um, I don't dislike this movie. I think it put a good bow on the characters. I, I wanted some resolution at the end of 2 because you – see Michael Corleone settling into this new role and you want, I wanted to know what was going to happen to him. Yeah. And I, I take it for what it is. I, I don't think it's an, a great movie, but I think it's a really good movie. And it's one that the Academy did recognize uh, with a best picture nomination. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, but I, 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 you know, this could, this could be wrong for this list that we're doing. Cause I don't know what critics thought of the film. I I don't know what audiences thought of the film, but I, you know, throughout the years, it's been considered a, a much lesser product. And I'm like, no, I think it's actually pretty great. Um, They were exactly the same on it at 66%. Yeah. Okay. Which is, I would, to me, this is a seven out of 10. Yeah. All um, right. All right. Another one I've got on my list. <laughs> Cocktail. You could watch Cocktail again. I you could watch Cocktail all day. For some reason, I put that movie on, and I am, <laughs> I am, I am in, uh, and I cannot tell you what that movie is about. <laughs> and I can tell you this: Tom Cruise's character, he's an asshole. He is throughout the movie, the entire movie. Like he blatantly cheats on Elizabeth Shue in Jamaica. He goes for the rich woman. I think the best thing that came out of this movie was the Beach Boys song. Yeah, Kokomo. <laughs> With me from New York is Tom Cruise. Hello. Good afternoon. Now, how many bottles did you break juggling, learning to juggle for this role? I kept imagining you in your kitchen sort of smashing them on the floor. <laughs> Actually, only five. Brian Brown and I, when we were shooting, I broke five and Brian broke four. So he won the bet and uh, disappointing, but uh, five. Well, that's not bad, because that's hard to do. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was surprised. I thought I was going to break uh, you know, many more than that. 
The people that were in front of me, though, were a little nervous when we were flipping the bottles. Yeah, no. But you spent a lot of time, didn't you, cruising and looking in bars in New York and in Toronto where you were shooting this, sort of yes. getting, getting the yeah, sense I, of it. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time, um, mostly uh, when I was starting it out, I interviewed about 35 bartenders and trying to find, uh, you know, a common denominator. And what, you know, the, the problem that we had is, you know, we were looking for something visual to show that these guys, I mean, that... First of all, that Brian Brown is the best bartender they've ever seen in that, you know, uh, you know, Brian Flanagan character that I play, you know, later on becomes, you know, what is what is known uh, the best as a of the best star bartender, you know, and uh, and, and we found that in, in California, it's this new trend that's that's happening. So, but you worked as a waiter once, didn't you? Early, early days. Yeah, waiter, busboy, unloading trucks, you name it. Cocktail, nineteen eighty-eight. Everybody should look it up. It's a great movie. It's not a good movie. It's awful it is it's terrible it, it, i cannot stop watching it but you know we were talking the other day about um has tom cruise ever done a bad movie yeah. to me this would probably i wouldn't call it a bad movie but i wouldn't call it a good movie. and then you you've got brian brown as as coglin <laughs> yeah. coglin's law like they're interesting characters and uh, and i'm just telling you what it i don't know what it is about the film you know and i watch it through the eyes of somebody who who runs a restaurant and if I had two bartenders that were just doing all that flair and flipping bottles with a bar that was four deep across, like, you guys get the hell out of here. You're fired. Why are you not making drinks for these people? How many people? bottles have you dropped today? Yeah. Why are you not making drinks for these people? You're just over there making... If one drink takes five minutes to drink... To, when somebody orders a drink, it takes five minutes for you to make it, you're out. Oh, but man. it's just so interesting. I did not see that one coming. But I can't stop watching it. But it's interesting because it's it's right in that that zone, okay, where Tom Cruise has done Top Gun in '86. Yeah. All right. He can pretty much do whatever he wants at this point. He does cocktail. I think maybe cocktail is '87. I, I, I it's '87 or '88. But he's he's right in that zone of he's trying to do dramatic work. He's trying to get away from Top Gun. Yeah. So he does cocktail. And it's not great. It's not great. But then he's going to quickly do Rain Man <laughs> and then Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah. And all of a sudden, oh, he can be taken serious as an actor. So I think Cocktail was his first attempt at I'm more than just a pretty boy yeah. fighter pilot. I can do drama. Okay. But it's still so watchable. It has a great soundtrack. <laughs> it does have a great soundtrack. I will give you that. It's awful. I There's that whole that. scene where there he gives the I'm the world's last barman poet and he's up there and again you're at this crowded nightclub they're in business to sell drinks and you're over here doing cocky ass bullshit you know, beat poetry you know it's it's not I love it so the critics um, really thought a lot about this one okay want to take a guess thirty one. Nine. Nine. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but you're right. Audiences are a little bit little bit more at 58. I did this for dinner in a movie. Sold out. Really? Well, Sold out. I mean, yeah. Sold Were, out. Was it a, a bunch of old ladies in there? Uh, it was. Uh, there was not a guy in the room. It was. Uh, it was. It was. It basically turned into a ladies night. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. So uh, one more I want to do real quick. 1986. Iron Eagle. Ooh, now I love Irony. I love this movie. Um, that is one of. I, it's probably one. I, I I don't think I've seen it in about ten years. Oh, it still holds up. But when I was a kid, I watched that relentlessly. I love that movie. I have said this numerous times on the podcast, so I don't want to sound like a broken record. But there is a scene fifteen minutes into this movie where our main character Doug Masters is challenged to a race. By a guy named Notcher. All right. And the race features Notcher on his dirt bike and Doug in his Cessna airplane. <laughs> and they're racing through the canyons. And that shit is all shot practical. And it's incredible. I remember that. It's an incredible sequence. Something they would never do today. Yeah. Look, Kendall, this is probably the toughest thing you've ever had to go through in your life. But hanging on to these crazy ideas. It's not going to make it any easier on you. Take it easy, huh? You don't think I can fly, do you? Oh, come on, don't talk stupid. You think flying in an F-16 in aerial combat is the same as that snake you flew yesterday? Hey, would you listen to me for one minute? I'm listening. 
I've got three times as many hours on that simulator as most pilots flying Falcons on the base right now. As for combat, you know that's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, how many guys around here been in dogfights? Four? Five tops? The simulator's good enough to train them and they're out there defending the whole goddamn country. What, you think because they're, uh, three or four years older than me it makes any difference? Look, look, look. I've already missed my simulator time. I'm not going to miss my flight time. I gotta go. Well, let me go with you. Been up a bunch of times with Dad. Hey. Come on, at least let me show you what I can do. I had a talking about it. I'm going. You know he ain't got a chance. But you don't give a shit enough to help him. You're no different than anyone else. You really believe that nonsense you're saying? Look at me when I talk to you! Let, let me clue you into something right now. I've given this country 22 damn fucking years of my life. 22 years. I've seen young boys blown out of the air over the Pacific. I've seen the guts sprawled all over the rice paddies of Vietnam. So every time somebody dies for this country, believe me, boy, I give a shit. God damn it, nobody talks to me like this. I'm not going to start now. I'm going to help you, father. Hmm? You be strong for your family. You stay right here. It's the most idiotic premise for a movie ever. We talked about this on the Top Gun Maverick episode. We talked about how the Air Force, they sent the script to the Air Force. They're like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Who do you think you are? A 17-year-old is going to be able to commandeer one of our F-16s, fly to a Middle Eastern country, bomb the shit out of it, land, rescue his father, and fly back. And we're going to promote, we're going to send him to the Air Force Academy. (laughs) Get out of here. Not so much. It's a great movie. Never watch the sequels. They're terrible. Yes, the sequels are horrible. Yep. They're terrible. And Louis Gossett Jr. is terrific as Chappie Sinclair. Chappie. And he's in the sequels, too. He's the Yeah, he's the the glue that keeps yeah. those. Yeah. Actually, I don't give a shit by spoiling this. So Jason Gedrick, who plays Doug Masters, is in the opening sequence of Iron Eagle 2, where he, he is flying an F-16 with his wingman, and he is shot and killed. He, he is killed at the beginning of the movie. So Did you cry but, a little bit? But, but at uh, Iron Eagle 4 posits that he wasn't killed, that he ejected, was captured by the Russians in, in a Russian prison, and he's back for Iron Eagle 4. <laughs> and it's awful. Uh, so the numbers on this? Yes. Critics are at a solid 20%. Come on. Really? I expected that to be higher. Solid 20%. Audiences, 57. Wow. Yep. I stand by Iron Eagle. Yep. I stand by it. All right, so this next one is it's going to be a little controversial. This one was a movie that I saw in the theaters as a kid. Didn't really care for it back then, but I've watched it several times since, and I really do like it. <laughs> and it's The Bodyguard with Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. I saw that movie one time, <laughs> and I remember what turned me off about the movie, besides Kevin Costner's haircut. <laughs> Uh, was the character that uh, Whitney Houston played. What was her name in the movie? Was it... Uh, I can't remember what her name was in the movie. I can't either. But she was so mean to Kevin Costner. Yeah. She was mean to everybody. Yeah. And I think I was too young to understand what a diva was. Yeah. But she was playing a diva. Well, I think the reason... and you. This is what I got on my subsequent watches. The reason she was so mean is she didn't realize the trouble she was in because yeah. her agents and her managers had been keeping everything from her. And she just thought there was some new guy in there trying to upend her life and her lifestyle. I'm going to have to watch that movie again sometime. I have to bring myself to watching it again. <laughs> bring yourself to watch it. I mean, obviously, that's a movie that clearly the legacy of that film is not the film itself. No, it's the soundtrack. It's the soundtrack, yeah. which is really good. Yeah. It's a really good soundtrack. Yeah. But the overall theme is, yes, she's a diva. She's an actress and a singer, and there's someone trying to kill her. And Kevin Costner is hired as ex-Secret Service agent, hired as her bodyguard. But yeah, it's worth a watch. Uh, critics did not like it. 38%. Uh, Audience is at 64, though. Yep. Okay. All right. Next one. Um, and this is one that... I don't know if you could say jump-started his career, but definitely gave him some credit. I put this on here because it was, to me, it seemed like a super original movie, 
I had no idea where it was going and I really appreciated the story and the dedication to just the unknown. And that's the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect. Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher. That is another, I've only seen it once. And I got to be honest with you, like, like, I remember being very disturbed by that movie. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, it's not a peaceful movie. There's a lot of molestation, explosions. Yeah murders it was an interesting concept for a movie and yeah. i appreciate it and, and you know they've tried to do this i'm looking at you the flash they've tried to do this <laughs> teach us you know that you you can't don't change the past you can't change the past because one little thing will subsequently create an, a chain right. reaction that will change everything i'm looking at you the flash <laughs> oh god that was terrible so bad oh they they were trying to they were trying to market it as like this is going to be the greatest superhero movie ever. It's awful, trash, 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 trash. Flash. All right. Uh, so the numbers on it: thirty eight percent from critics. Uh, excuse me, thirty four percent for from critics, eighty one percent for audiences. Okay. So definitely a, a cult classic. And now for my final one, okay. I am going to piss you. All right. Off. Let's go. Bad movie that you enjoy. So this was a movie I didn't see until probably, ooh, I want to say like six or seven years after it came out. Okay. And I remember it was a recommendation from one of my friends. They're like, you got to watch this great, great buddy movie. I'm like, cool. Uh-oh. I put it on and I was like, that was a really great Uh-oh. movie. I'm nervous. I, to this day, still watch it every time I get the chance. Okay. Got a guess? Give me a hint. I think you once stopped dating a girl because she liked this movie. Oh, uh, God, I did. <laughs> I can't remember that story. <laughs> what was? I'm talking about the Boondock Saints. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> no, we were on a date. You were on a date. We okay. were. We were on a date, <laughs> and and we were mentioning this. What it was is, you know, it was like a first date. It was like a casual, you know, having a drink, you know, yeah. talking back and forth, and the subject of movies come up and. She's so you're a big movie guy. Yeah, what's your favorite movies? And I was like, well, I'm obviously Jaws is my favorite movie. Big fan of True Romance. I said, what about you? She goes, oh, my all time favorite movie is The Boondock Saints. <laughs> Check, please. <laughs> so this is uh, Norman Reedus. Yes. Pre Walking Dead. Yes. Sean Patrick Flannery and Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Hi, I am Yvonne Chekhov. And you, we will be closing now. Well, this here's McCoy. We find a spark, we got us an away team. <laughs> I'm in no mood for discussion. You, you stay, the rest of you. Go now. Why don't you make like a tree? And get the fuck out of here. You know he's going to the week's end, right? You don't have to be hard asses, do you? Yeah, it's St. Paddy's Day. Everyone's Irish tonight. Mm. Why don't you just pull up a stool and have a drink with us? This is no game. If you won't go, we will make you go. Listen, if you want to fight, you can see you're outnumbered here. We're trying to be civil, so I suggest you take our offer. I make the offers. Hey, Boris. What would you do if I told you your pinko commie mother sucks so much dick, her face looks like an egg. What the fuck you doing? Who's below so seen the Vespia, yeah? Boys, stona eto ras visor, prosto shuk, sweetie na machet vanya. Yeah, it's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. And I would say it's probably one of the most highly divided movies out there. It has the biggest swing of any film on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Do you want to guess? I'm gonna I'm gonna be scared to say, but is the audience over ninety? Yep. God, <laughs> ninety one. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but critics probably have it where you do at a twenty six percent. Oh, I have it lower than that. I have it at seven. <laughs> seven for Willem Dafoe. <laughs> seven. Yeah, he he definitely a great movie for Willem Dafoe. We could do a whole episode on the Boondock Saints if you want to do a point counterpoint type episode. I. And maybe I'm a little influenced because I did see the documentary uh, on Troy Duffy uh, called Overnight about his yeah. attempts to get this movie made. 
And you'd like to think that it's like an <laughs> underdog story of the resilience it took to get this movie made. Yeah. But it's not. You watch this movie and you're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> and I'm glad he never worked again besides the Boondock Saints 2 All Saints Day. Which I didn't even bother to watch. Which that is, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I don't I don't understand the fascination with the Boondock Saints and and I I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. I don't get it. I th- I and I honestly feel like I I very rarely meet people who are like, ah, I was like, I could take it or leave it. It's either I fucking hated that movie or I fucking love that movie. Like, it's to me it's not clever, it's not funny. Uh I think the action feels contrived. Um <laughs> I think it's mean-spirited in some parts when it doesn't need to be. Um I think it's I think it's just awful. I don't think I don't think anything. I don't think there's anything good about it. I don't even think Willem <laughs> Dafoe is good in the movie. He's a good actor. He's doing fine. But I think even his role, like this whole subplot around. with him, you know what what his personal life is like. It's like like what are you doing, Troy Duffy? So so like, well, here's what we have. We have a hard recommend for me and a hard don't ever watch it from day. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm in the minority of most podcast listeners out there <laughs> and most podcast hosts. I've done my research. Like, like, and here's the thing. Like, I had a very prominent podcaster on my show a few years ago. I won't mention who it was um, because they're still podcasting. <laughs> the show very, very popular. And I asked them. We were talking about movies that came out in the you know late 90s, early 2000s. And I brought up, we we're talking about bad ones. I said, well, the Boondock Saints. And he just goes, ooh, you know, I'm not even going to touch that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you know what? I'm just not going to, just not even going to comment on the movie. I said, oh, well, now, now you got to explain a little bit more. Yeah. It's like, yes, you know, the, the, the vitriol that you'll receive for telling people how bad the movie is. You'll, you'll really? get it. You'll get it online. The people will come after you. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, right. Well, you got it. fuck that movie. <laughs> And it's okay if people like it. Hey. You like what you like. You like what you like. Yeah. Especially when I mentioned my next movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah. 1983, Jaws 3. Uh, no. It's so watchable. It is the definition of so bad it's good for me. Oh, so man. bad it's good. I No. It uh, might be 82 when I said 83. It might be 82. Uh, 83. 83, yeah. So... Again, it's a 90-minute movie. It's so absurd. The premise is ridiculous. But for some reason, I can... When that movie's on, I I watch it. And I, I find to. myself like... Well, you're... With Jaws being your favorite Yeah, movie, absolutely. I, mean, I can see that. <laughs> Very posh. Yes, it's quite a display. But tell me, how do you contain the sharks in this part of the lagoon? Well, you know, it's that old... Uh, Shark screen, you know that bubble screen? You know, you know sharks don't like that. It's uh, what they call a marine segregation. <laughs> Jim, Jim. Oh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> Calvin, I got no, 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 bad news. Keep your voices down. Sit down. Sit down. Was it the shark? was a shark. It was a shark with a bite radius about a yard across. Don't be silly. Indicator. A shark of some 35 feet in length. You said it exactly. Still has all its teeth. Yeah. That means it was a baby. Our shark couldn't have killed Overman. Its mother did. You're talking about some damn shark's mother? Calvin, don't you hear what she's saying here? Well, I'm listening. Now, if there is such an animal, she gave birth way out to sea and the baby swam through the sea gate that you left open, Brody. No. Overman was killed inside the park. The baby was caught inside the park. Its mother is inside the park. Just the the premise, or not even the premise, what the general consensus is, is a cheese-soaked ocean thriller with no evident reason to exist. Jaws 3 bellows forth with a plaintive yet ultimately unheeded cry to put this franchise out of viewer's misery. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know what? It's a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so ridiculous. It's a much better movie than Jaws the Revenge. So do you know what Jaws the Revenge, the critic score is? On Jaws the Revenge? Yeah. No, I don't. Zero. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. What about Jaws Zero. 3? Uh, Jaws 3 is 11%. Yeah, see? But the audience is much, much more. 17. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> what was the audience's on Jaws the Revenge? Jaws the Revenge, uh, 15%. Wow. Yeah. All right. I saw Jaws the Revenge in the theater in oh. 1987 as a nine-year-old. I don't, yeah. I don't think I saw, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I've seen Jaws, any of those movies in the theater. Oh, yeah. Until that, on the last round, what was it, the 35th or 50th? Well, it would have been the 45th. 45th. They re-released it, and I wanted to go, but it just couldn't make it yeah. happen. Well, they re-released it last year in 3D. I was like, yeah, I couldn't bring myself to do that. Yeah. Next one on my list, 1985, Michael J. Fox, Teen Don't Wolf. Don't say Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. <laughs> I used to love that when I was a kid. Another movie where I'm going to tell you right now, he's good in the movie. <laughs> he's a good actor. Is You think? I think you should rewatch that movie. Just look at his performance. Okay. I think he's good in it. Now, you just stick this in your pocket like this. All right? You go in there. You don't say anything except, give me a keg, buddy. And you pay for it. That way he can't say you robbed him. You know I do this myself, but that old guy in there already kicked me out. Give me the gun. Ah. Give me the money. Uh, I'm going to try and buy it. That's no, it. No, no, That's no, 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 Scott. It, this Scott. guy is a ball buster and it won't work. It. it won't work. Hi. All right. Uh, I'd like a keg of beer, please. You don't say. Yeah, uh, how much is that? Your ID, Sonny. You little bastards just won't give up, will you? Listen, no ID, no goddamn beer. Can't you get that through your thick skull? Give me a keg of beer. And these. Well, I mean, I, I loved it as a kid. Yeah. Um, the special, I mean... Special effects were pretty terrible. Like the wolf costume. It's not great. It's not great. No. But it's so bizarre in the sense of like. You know, I that will give that a rewatch because it's been since I was a kid. Great soundtrack. Yeah. Okay. Great. It's a story about being yourself. It's a story about a different kind of puberty. Yeah. <laughs> There's that whole scene where Styles is trying to get a keg of beer or he can't go to the party. And, you know, he goes to the liquor store and he. he it's it's the best. Yeah. And then when he finally gets the keg of beer, only to find out like there's 25 more cakes. Anyway, anyway, that's that's <laughs> such a minor plot of the movie. I just think the movie's so watchable. It is. It, yeah. I remember it's, liking it as a kid, and it's only an hour and a half long. It's not a good movie. <laughs> he's he's going to do Back to the Future later on that year. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, it's just it's fun. It. You know what? I don't think anyone. There's somebody who's 20, I'll say between 16 and 35 listening to this right now, and they go and watch Teen Wolf. They're going to be like, what is Dana talking about? <laughs> Part they, of this is nostalgia. Aren't they remaking that? I'm sure they're remaking everything. Yeah, I think they are. are the oh, numbers for it. Yes. Uh, critics were at a 42. All right. Audiences, 52. All right. Just over halfway. All right. Last one on my list. Okay. Let's hear it. 1992. James Marshall, Cuba Gooding Jr., Brian Dennehy, Gladiator. Oh, God. Uh, I could still see Brian Dennehy in the ring at the end of that one. It's so bad. It's so bad. So one of the reasons I find this to be such an inher- uh, such, such a watchable movie for me is I actually own this on VHS. Do you? And Well, I did at the time. And I don't know. I just found myself watching it all the time and i like watching it now as an adult yeah like this is not good but yeah, but it's, it's, a, it's a good um i don't know if you can call it coming of age but a stepping into the role you're supposed to be yeah maybe. yeah what's the matter with him doc it could be nothing could be a bleed bleed a blood vessel in his head 
It's not serious, though. If he rests, I'm recommending a 60-day layoff. What are you doing? Hey, no drama, hotshot. 60 days comes with the territory. It's directed by Rowdy Harrington, okay, who directed, are you guys ready for this? 1989's Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Which should be on my list. Yeah. So. Well, that's not a bad movie, though. No. No, it's a great movie. (laughs) It's a great movie. Uh, I just think Gladiator is just a, it's just, it's so absurd in its premise. And and it's worth the price of admission alone to see middle-aged Brian Dennehy get in the ring and start boxing. Start beating the crap out of him. (laughs) It's so bad. And Robert Loesch in the film. Yeah. I mean. I I haven't seen that movie in decades. All right, so yeah, and John Hurd's in the movie. He plays his father. So basically, the premise of this film is James Marshall plays Tommy Tommy Riley. He just moved from Bridgeport, Connecticut to the slums of Chicago. Yeah. All right? And so it's a kind of a fish-out-of-water story where he... You know, he gets in a fight with some local toughs. He gets spotted by an underground boxing promoter. He he uh, he boxes. Turns out his dad owes a mobster by the name of Sharky uh, a large money, large large amount of money for gambling debts, and and this underground boxing promoter pays off the debt. Now Tommy's got a box for him, and it's just yeah, yeah. The boxing scenes are shot terribly. It's not the plot is nonsensical. Nothing about it, but for some reason, I just watch it every time it comes on. Honestly, to me, it's Brian Dennehy's character. He he does a really great job acting in that film. Listen, Brian Dennehy's great. He's great in everything he does. So numbers on Gladiator. Uh, Critics, 31%. Audiences, though, 69. There we go. It's almost almost 7 out of 10. Those who did see it. Yeah. Because it didn't make a lot of money. No. Yeah, so... It's didn't have a whole lot of star power at the time. They didn't have any. Star. Well, I guess yeah. Brian, Brian Dennehy was about it. And yeah. Cuba Gooding at this point has already done Boys in the Hood, which yeah. is kind of his breakout role. But yeah, he hasn't done Jerry Maguire yet. No. So yeah. All right. Well, Jason. Yeah. This was fun. I, I, yeah. I, I think we need to keep this up. Yeah. Yeah. We could do a whole another round of these. <laughs> yeah. So uh, guys, thank you so much. This was our episode on bad movies that we love. We'd love to hear your take on this what are some of the bad movies that you love feel free to email us the dana buckler show at gmail.com you can reach out to us on x formerly known as twitter at dana buckler show so jason thank you as always my friend thanks this was fun all right and my name is dana buckler and thank you so much for listening